This is Unnecessary Roughness. You got to score points to win. You can't win without scoring points. Touchdown Raiders! He went right through the line and gives Vegas a touchdown to extend the lead. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. And here we go, Raider Nation, on this Friday, getting ready to head into the weekend. Very excited about the opportunity to be with you for the next three hours, coming off the heels of the JT The Brick Show. Of course, that followed the morning tailgate with Clay Baker, uh, Vinny Bonsignor, and Lindsey Brown, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. Of course, sandwiched in between those two, we have the Rich Eisen Show. But uh, we're with you here for the next three hours, excited about the opportunity to head into the weekend the right way. Of course, the Raiders still at it with their OTAs, uh, but we weren't able to be out there at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center today as we were yesterday, so that was a lot of fun. But uh, we're going to have a lot of good interaction with you on the show. Of course, 702-365-9200. That's the Raider Nation listener line and the don'tbebroke.com text line 69187, keyword r You can hit that up at any point of the show. If you got something to say, you have a question that you want to ask, answered whatever the case may be we want you to be very active here on the show this afternoon coming up at 2 30 our first guest of the day will be adam hill from the rj talk all things silver and black he's also over at the uh, stanley cup the media day that's going on right now so of course we'll dip into that just a bit with him but we'll be talking all things Raiders as he was out at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center on Thursday he was able to check out the practice for a couple hours as I was as well and then also was able to talk to Coach McDaniels talk to uh, Coach Graham talk to Chandler Jones talk to AJ Cole so we'll get Adam's thoughts he's usually really good when it comes to his takeaways his breakdowns how he's feeling about certain situations so we'll just do all things cover the whole team like a glove with Adam Hill coming up at 2.30. At 3 o'clock, my good friend Nick Shook from NFL.com. He'll join the show, and we'll just scatter shoot all things NFL. Is the date, if you look at the calendar, is June 2nd. So there could be any kind of moves being made across the league, not just with the Raiders, but all 32 teams could be making moves as they're continuing to try to put their roster together in preparation for training camp and then as they prepare for the upcoming 2023 season. So uh, there's a lot of different movement going on. He actually put out a piece that I saw that really caught my attention about Unique Ngakwe, who I'm still shocked is still a, a free agent. I'm so, I'm so surprised after uh, having nine and a half sacks last season with the Indianapolis Colts, and I know they didn't have a great season, but for him, nine and a half sacks, I mean, that's he always is going to give you eight. Like I always tell everyone who will listen, man, Unique Ngakwe is going to get you eight sacks every year. He got the Colts nine and a half last year, and for some reason he still doesn't have a job. But Nick put out this piece talking about he is kind of looking for a contender at this stage of the game, right? He's been on many different teams. He went from Jacksonville to Minnesota to Baltimore, to the Raiders, to the Colts. So now he's looking for another team to be on, but he's looking for a team that has an opportunity, and I'm surprised, I really am, that that team, with an opportunity to make a deep playoff run and potentially a run at the Super Bowl, has not hit up Unique Ngakwe. Who couldn't use a guy that can get to the quarterback eight to ten times a season? Just about guaranteed. So we'll talk all things free agency. We'll talk about the guys that are still out there available, any guys that he has on his uh, radar that could end up being post-June 1st releases or even trades. We'll talk all things NFL with our good friend Nick Shook, NFL.com. That comes up at 3 o'clock. And then at 4 o'clock, Lindsey Brown. You can hear her every morning on the morning tailgate with Clay Baker and Vinny Bonsignor. She is also over at the 
the Stanley Cup media days, and she is a she is a book. Like she's got it down pat when it comes to anything NHL. So we'll get a little bit of a preview from her. A little Golden Knights and Florida Panthers as puck drops tomorrow uh, at the T-Mobile uh, Arena, and that's going to be a lot of fun. Just seeing uh, the the Golden Knights have their opportunity to go win a Stanley Cup the first time in franchise history, and the Florida Panthers are trying to do the same thing. They've been around a lot longer than the the Vegas Golden Knights, but neither neither organization has won a Stanley Cup, so both of them are uh, are competing for that. Somebody's going to walk around, uh, walk away with Lord Stanley's Cup, which was actually in the radio station's building yesterday. Tons of people from inside the building, from sales, from on-air personalities, just anyone from any of our stations, our many build stations that we have in the building, were taking pictures and tweeting it out. And uh, my, my Twitter account got tired just retweeting everyone's picture, just showing off the Stanley Cup in the building. And it's been making its way around Las Vegas as well as at a, a few different TV stations earlier today. So Lindsay will give us a little bit of a preview of the Stanley Cup finals between the Vegas Golden Knights and the Florida Panthers. And then we'll also talk some Raiders with her as she was out at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance center not yesterday but last week for OTAs her and Vinny were both out there so just her takeaways what she's been seeing what she likes what she doesn't like from what the Raiders have done this offseason and then also in the show probably around 3 30 I think we had that penciled in around 3 30 uh, I had an opportunity yesterday to catch up with uh, Raider legend Matt Millen they had a big event for a bunch of alumni uh, going on at the facility they had a big event that JT talked about earlier on the show today uh, that he was a part of last night I got a chance to catch up with Matt Millen. Uh, it was on upon further review. I was filling in for Eddie Pascal, so it was actually heard yesterday after uh, after unnecessary roughness, but I'm going to go ahead and play that at 3.30. I thought the conversation was a really good one, plus I really liked it because Matt Millen's been in position to put teams together, so we definitely had a, a pretty lengthy conversation about what Dave Ziegler's attempted to do, what Josh McDaniels has attempted to do, get the right guys in place to make a run at it this 2023 season. So I think that we're going to play that right around 3.30. You'll hear that conversation, myself and Matt Millen. So that's the guest lineup that we have. Adam Hill at 2.30, Nick Shook at 3, my conversation with Matt Millen at 3.30, Lindsey Brown at 4, plus you'll hear from Coach Patrick Graham. Uh, He met with the media yesterday. We didn't get a chance to get to that. All we got to was Coach McDaniels on yesterday's show, so we'll get to Coach Graham, and we'll also hear from Chandler Jones uh, coming up around 4.30. And, of course, in the meantime, in between time, we'll definitely hear from you throughout the course of the show at 702-365-9200 in the don'tbebroke.com text line, 69187, keyword r It's probably the easiest way to get into us, but uh, definitely hit us up either way. My man Bobby Machado is holding it down for DeMond today. DeMond is actually holding it down on ESPN uh, for Cofield and Company. And what we'll be doing the next few weeks, just kind of give you a heads up and what you'll be noticing the next couple weeks, a lot of people are going on vacation. I actually have a vacation plan for the end of the month around June 20th, but in the next few weeks or so, you'll see Clay go on vacation, the morning tailgate go on vacation. You'll hear JT go on vacation. Uh, right now, Ari is on vacation. We have another guy, another producer, and Danny. We call him the the, 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 the Danny the Degenerate Gambler. He's He'll be on, uh, he'll, he's on vacation right now as well. DeMond will take a break. So uh, right now, this time of year, we got to get our vacations in as we can, uh, we can. Bobby will have a couple days off here and there whenever he needs them. So a lot of us will be kind of filling in different parts next week. As I mentioned before, I'll be doing a couple of early shows where uh, the show will start at 1230 or 12 o'clock, I should say, 12 to 330, and then make way for Aces basketball. That'll be on Tuesday and Thursday. So you'll see a lot of different moving parts. Basically, I'm trying to prepare you for that for uh, next week. But I uh, definitely appreciate Bobby holding it down, not only on JT's show, but also following up on Unnecessary Roughness for the next two hours and uh, about 53 minutes. 
minutes or so as we have with you today. So now you know the guests line up. You know what we got planned for you. Let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM is brought to you by Paul Pata Law. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. And as we jump into the opening drive, always like to bring a topic to the show that we can kind of get the ball rolling and start getting the feedback and get the conversation going because, again, on this show, we definitely appreciate all the feedback we receive from Raider Nation. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not, but it's all good. We appreciate, like I said, we appreciate uh, the conversation and we'll always uh, open it up to you. So the question that I have for you today and it's kind of it's not a three-parter but there's three parts of it right so it's not really a three-parter but there's three parts of it uh so maybe it is a three-parter I don't know however you want to word it it's all good what since it is the offseason what is the offseason move that you really liked the move that you weren't a fan of and the one offseason question that you still have so there you go it's basically three in one I'm looking for the offseason move that you liked the move that you weren't a fan of and the one offseason question that you still have. You can hit us up at any point at 702-365-9200 and also the don'tbebroke.com text line 69187, keyword R-N-R. And I'll say this, the offseason move that I really, really liked was the was the drafting of Michael Mayer, the second-round uh, pick out of uh, Notre Dame, the tight end. I think he's going to help out in a major way in the red zone, and that's something that the Raiders have struggled with in uh, for I don't know how many years we've been going on this, talking about their struggles in the red zone. And, you know, we talk about too many field goals, not enough touchdowns. I think Michael Mayer is really going to help out. Now, of course, you've got to have your quarterback in place, right, to be able to get him the rock. But I think Michael Mayer is really – going to make a difference in the red zone. So, I mean, there's there's more than one offseason move that I like, but that's one that really stood out to me because I had no thoughts in my mind that he was going to be available in the second round as the Raiders were able to get him. So that's the one that I really, really like. The move that I wasn't a fan of was the the fact that they didn't get a corner, a secondary member in the draft until round four. And Ja'Korian Bennett might end up being that guy. Like, he really could end up being that guy. You know, I, I like the fact that he had ball production. I like Chris Smith uh, out of Georgia from the, at the safety spot. I like the fact that he can, you know, he can make plays at the back end as well. But I thought that they had an opportunity to go and, and potentially get a, a, a ball hawking corner, and they didn't do it, right? And so that was, that was probably the one I look at and say, yeah, they made some, some good moves. They brought in some really good players, you know, some guys that have a lot of potential and a lot of upside. I do like that. But it just didn't seem like that they went and got that difference maker at the corner position. And maybe, like I said, maybe Ja'Korian Bennett ends up being that difference maker. So that, that'll be, you know, that, that would be, um, you know, I'd have to come back later and say, okay, he ended up being the guy that I was looking for. They just happened to get him in the fourth round. So that was, that was my, the, my move that I didn't like is waiting until the fourth round to get a, a, a corner that uh, they feel like can, can be a really good player for him. And then as far as offseason questions that I still have, and it, it all goes back to the quarterback position, is Aiden O'Connell a guy that could potentially be uh, a franchise quarterback, the quarterback of the future, or is he just a quarterback, right? Because, again, knowing everything that we know, we talked about in nauseam when it comes to Jimmy G, knowing all the conversations that we had, we know that Jimmy G is not going to be a super long-term quarterback. You know, he'll be around for the short term. Right, So who's going to be that franchise guy? Do they have that guy they believe is a franchise guy on the roster right now, or do they just have a guy on the roster right now? We know that they have Jimmy G. We know they have uh, the, uh, Brian Hoyer. We know that they have Chase Garbers. We know that they have Aiden O'Connell. Is, is that 
is that what you're looking at? Is that the guys that are going to get it done? Is Aiden O'Connell going to, you know, progress into be a, a franchise quarterback at some point, or will he just end up being a backup quarterback? Obviously, only time will tell, but, you know, I, I think that that's probably got to be, for me, the biggest offseason question that I still have. You know, do they feel like they have their franchise quarterback of the future on the current roster? So those are the answers to the question that I have. What says you? 702-365-9200. Again, the don'tbebroke.com text line is 69187, keyword r Let's go out to the phone lines, talk to our guy, Gangster Raider. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, my man? What's up, Q? And to start off, um, I just want to say rest in peace to my homie Fatty. We buried him um, last Friday Damn. at a ceremony. and He was a diehard Raider fan. Matter of fact, he got buried in his Raider jersey and his Raider hat, and he looked it hard. I'm talking about super hard, you yeah. know, um, they um he was represented all the way through and um he was a diehard Raider fan so if y'all can the Raider Nation send us uh, rest in peace to my homie Fatty you know so he's one of my day ones he was 51 years old when he got killed Dang. on April 20th but we buried him last week and he got buried in his Raider jersey and Raider hat and I never thought about doing that but seeing him and how he looked I'm considering it now you know what I'm saying <laughs> you know right what I mean? but right. um no time soon no time yeah. soon but consider it <laughs> yeah you know what I'm saying but um also um uh, I want to say um to answer your question the first move that I like that the my offseason move was getting rid of Derek Carr okay. to me I feel like he was an albatross around our neck and he was holding us down you know what I'm saying just look at the two games in LA last year out here he threw three interceptions had two fumbles against the Chargers and then he let um Baker Mayfield come and beat him after he got signed, what, the day before? And yeah. his last his last throw of the game was an interception. So yep. I think um, getting rid of Derek Carr is my most favorite move. And um, uh, what was the other one? Uh, the move that you weren't a fan of, the one that you didn't like. Oh, getting rid of Derek Waller. And okay. what was the other one? And then uh, what offseason question do you still have? Oh, the quarterback, same as you. But also I want to say this. I, everybody okay. keep thinking want to give Kansas City uh, a run back, but – uh, I think them losing Eric Bieniemy is going to hurt them because everybody want to act like um, Andy Reid is this hell of a coach, but he never won the Super Bowl until he got with Eric Bieniemy. Remember all them times in Philly? Yeah. He didn't win no Super Bowl without Eric Bieniemy. Now, Eric Bieniemy is in Washington, I think, right? Yep, yep. Yeah, and so um, Kansas City is not going to be the same without Eric Bieniemy, and I think um, the Walrus is just going to go back to being the Walrus <laughs> without Eric Bieniemy, and I don't think Kansas City. Everybody forget that important factor that Eric Bieniemy is not there. Eric Bieniemy is not there, and I think that's why the league scheduled them so late in the season to play us because they know without Eric Bieniemy, they're not going to be the same Chiefs maybe till later on in the season. And by the time they get acclimated without Eric Bieniemy, they think they'll be the Chiefs again. I think that's why they scheduled them so late against us. We don't play them till week twelve and sixteen, I think, right? Yep, twelve and sixteen. And I yep. Think, I, I think that's the reason because they know they lost Eric Bieniemy. Me, and they won't probably get their wheels under them to like probably week 10 or 11 without EB. And so the Walrus is going to go back to being the Walrus without mm-hmm. AB enemy. Mark my words. Keep it against you. Y'all rest in peace, Fatty Tyler. I'm gone. No doubt, no doubt. Rest in peace to Fatty. Thanks for the call. Thanks for sharing, my man. And hopefully prayers out to the families and everything. Everyone's doing okay. Uh, like I said, thanks for uh, sharing that with us. And, yeah, you know, I think that uh, nobody's really making a big deal of Eric Bieniemy in Washington. And I got a couple things on that. One, I don't think that. Eric Bieniemy should have had to go to Washington to be the offensive coordinator, right? I, I just think that that was I – don't, I, don't I don't know the, the, the politics. I don't know the inside and outs on why he hasn't got a head coaching job before. But to see that this guy had to go from Kansas City, winning two Super Bowls there, to going to Washington to be the offensive coordinator, to me, makes no sense. 
Like, it makes no sense at all. And I don't want to hear people say, well, he doesn't call plays. There's a plenty of coaches, plenty of head coaches that have gotten jobs without being, without being a play caller. So I don't want to hear that the dude was in the room, the dude was on the, on the, uh, on the staff, and he helped the, that team win two Super Bowls. And there was a time, if anyone wants to be honest with themselves, there was a time where if you even knew who Sean McVay was, you were getting a job. Right, if you took a cup of coffee to Sean McVay and said, "Here's your coffee, sir," you were getting a job as a head coach. Right? There's coaches right now. He has about three or four of those guys from his tree that are coaching right now because of that. So I always thought it was BS that Eric Bieniemy had to make a lateral movement and maybe a backwards lateral movement. On top of that, now I know he got the what the associate head coach coaching job. So that's cool. That's the same job that Rich Bisaccia held while he was uh, with the Raiders and John Gruden was the head coach. So I get that. But that's more of a, oh, here you go. We're going to throw this in, right? And it might come with a little bit more money. But to me, it's all a lateral move. He should have had an opportunity to be a head coach somewhere. I really don't understand why he had to go to Washington. Now, on the flip side of that, if Washington's offense is all of a sudden great next year, then there's nobody that could deny I'm a head coaching spot, right? I mean, if, if all of a sudden Washington is one of the best teams in the NFC East, and they're absolutely dominating, especially on offense, and all of a sudden you're starting to see what you see in Kansas City, but you're seeing that in D.C. with the commanders, then you look at Eric Bieniemy and say, okay, there's no doubt that you deserve a head coaching job somewhere, and I don't care what his interview is like, you're going to hire him, right? So, I mean, it's, it's a, I, I guess it's both sides of the fence, right? I mean, it, it doesn't, to me it doesn't make sense that he had to make this move, but if he makes the best of this move and makes it count, there's, I mean, there's no, no way that they could deny him. If they do deny him, then I, I'm going to start questioning others. So there's that. And then you're, as far as uh, just answering the question about offseason moves that you like, getting rid of D.C., I think, I think that was good for everybody. I really do, I, including Derek, right? I think that there was a time where he needed to move on. I think he's got a fresh opportunity now in New Orleans. He is the best quarterback in that division right now. Think about that. I mean, he went from being arguably the fourth, well, I guess, yeah, the fourth best quarterback, let's just keep it real, the fourth best quarterback in this division uh, in the AFC West, even though I think, especially after you saw what Russell Wilson did last year, uh, you can have that argument that Derek was, was better than Russell, and, and I don't even think there'd be a big argument about that. But on paper, originally you looked at it and said, okay, right, you got, you got, uh, you got Patrick, you got Justin, Russell Wilson has won a Super Bowl, and then you got Derek Carr. Now he goes to a division where you have a rookie, in Bryce Young, you have a second-year guy in Desmond Ritter, you know, and so you, you don't know what he's going to be able to uh, bring to the table. And then, and then you have uh, – who else is in that division? You got Atlanta. <laughs> Desmond Ritter's in Atlanta. Uh, New Orleans. Who else is in that division? Carolina and Tampa Bay. Oh, and Baker Mayfield. Yeah, Baker Mayfield. How could I forget him? Tampa Bay is in that division. And you have Baker Mayfield is on his fourth team. So, I mean, you know, I think he's in a good, uh, good position, good opportunity. He's got a lot of guys he's familiar with there. So I, I think that, you know, that, that was actually a good break for, uh, for both, both parties, Derek and the Raiders. And then, of course, it's always going to be a question mark who's going to be the quarterback up next for the silver and black. Uh, let's go out to the phone lines one more time. Let's talk to our guy, Raider X in L.A. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, good afternoon, fellas. Hey, so uh, the question is who was the best uh, acquisition? Uh, I think Jacoby Myers. Okay. Uh, reason being is because now they got a true number two. Um, I think it's been a long time since the Raider offense has a true number two. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the the worst move that really bothered me was letting Stidham walk and just getting him out mm. of there. I thought that was going to be our parachute. Yep. Uh, I, I really counted on him. Uh, not so much being um, 
you know, the starting quarterback, but, you know, you never know. But I knew that he was going to at least keep everything okay. And, you know, that, that allows you, like, like, uh, like Ziggler was talking about, not having the panic. That truly yep. would have really released no panic. Um, the one that leaves me really going into the season worrying is, did the Raiders do enough to really improve that defense to be in the top 20? Mm. Did they do enough? Did they get those spots? Did they draft enough? Are those guys going to be coming together? Is, you know, Patrick Graham's uh, defense going to gel? And is it really going to coordinate to that lack of depth, especially the linebacker room? Or are some of those guys going to bulk up and actually be linebackers? Or is he going to change his scheme to put, you know, a, a, kind of like a like a, a, a quad of safety in the box type mm-hmm. of a thing or change his scheme? I think what they call that, the, the third safety look. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. But I just hopefully they can get to that top 20 be okay and I, I really think that Jimmy G is going to surprise some people this year and I think he's going to be efficient I think he's going to stay upright I'm kind of leaning on like what you're saying uh, I'd like him to play 17 games but I think that uh, we're going to have for the best of 14 plus um, I think that he's going to be there Yeah, he might, might miss some time here and there but I think he's going to make it to the season uh, I think that uh, Raiders offense is going to be okay uh, just that defense it really yep. worries me if they can get that defense to be you know, like I said, in the top 20, yeah, the top 20, I think that they are going to make some people really, really second-guess those, you know, bad uh, you know, outlooks for the season. That's I like, what I got, my brother. Hey, I like it. Great call, Raider X. And, man, that's a great question, right? Did the Raiders do enough on the off, uh, off? I mean, not on the defensive side of things. Excuse me to to get them where they need to be. And I, I spent a lot of time yesterday talking about the defense and talking about turnovers because I don't think that you go from being a, a bottom tier defense to all of a sudden being a you know top fifteen, the top twenty like like Raider X is talking about overnight. But if you can start creating some turnovers, that can help you a lot. But man, uh, that's a it's a great question. You know what what does the defense look like? Right, Max Crosby told me right after the season was over when they were cleaning out the lockers, he said, we need more dogs on defense. Did they address that enough? You know, they didn't go out and get a bunch of names, right? So, I mean, before someone answers, like, no, you know they didn't do that. Okay, they didn't go out and get big names, but the ones that they did get, get, can they play? Right, Marcus Epps, for example, he played the most snaps for the Philadelphia Eagles a season ago. Can he take what he learned in Philly last year and translate it to the Raiders? Now, the one thing that Philadelphia and their defense had going for them uh, a season ago is all those big uglies up front, right? That was getting after the quarterback that led to 70 sacks in the regular season. I mean, that, that was massive. So that made everyone's job on the back end, as many people pointed out before, that made their job a lot easier. So can Marcus Epps now take what he learned in Philadelphia, what he did really well in Philadelphia, can he take that and, and, and translate that to the Raiders' defense? Can Tyree Wilson, first-round pick out of Texas Tech, can he turn into that guy? Can he be the guy they expected him to be when he was drafted? And how much are you going to get out of him his rookie year? That's a good question, right? I, I talked about the corners. I, I thought that it was a mistake not to address the corners earlier, especially with the ball hawk, if they had an opportunity to go get a ball hawk and a cornerback. I really, and I know I spent a lot of time talking about him leading up to the draft, but, man, I, I still love everything about Emmanuel Forbes. That, that damn corner, man, that guy, he can go. And I, I just kept monitoring and kept seeing what, what uh, he's doing in, in D.C. as far as uh, just kind of OTAs. And I know that you can't you know, just bank what he's doing in OTAs and say, okay, that's the reason why he's going to be the guy or he is going to be the guy. But, man, he is, he is he's doing really well. 
and I think that that's going to be a heck of a player, and that's the kind of guy. It doesn't necessarily have to be him, but I just feel like they, they, they need to get a guy who gets his hands on the ball routinely, and that's what he's going to do in D.C. He might frustrate them at times. He, he's he's going he's gonna to make a, a, a few mistakes here and there. That's what you expect him to do. But I also expect him to make a lot of plays. So, you know, not, not getting a guy for the secondary until the fourth round I thought was a mistake, but then I do like the guy that they got in Ja'Korian Bennett, and I also like – the sixth-round pick out of Georgia in Chris Smith. I think he's going to be a player too. But at some point, I thought it would have been a good decision to get a guy a little bit earlier in the draft that you felt like could be a real deal corner and be, you know, you're really a good either number one or number two corner, right? Because I don't know what Nate Hobbs is going to do this year. Is he going to stay on the outside or is he going to go back to the the slot nickel where he played as a rookie and he played really well? So uh, thank you so much for that call, my man. I do appreciate you. We'll get one more text and we'll take a break. Mailman Raider said, Q, what I liked, and this is on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R. He said, Q, what I liked was not panicking on taking offensive linemen high in the draft. Could have used a couple upgrades, sure, but not a priority. I was not a fan of Jimmy G. I was with you all free agency, not wanting him, but it is what it is. He's a Raider now, and I hope he puts a sock in my mouth. And my question is, how do we find a way to bring back Unique? LOL. Man, wouldn't that be cool? (laughs) Thank you, Mailman Raider, for that text. Wouldn't that be cool? You want to talk about... Uh, a, a nice defensive line room. Could you imagine that rotation? Sheesh. Could you imagine if you had Max Crosby, you have Chandler Jones, you drafted Tyree Wilson, and you find a way to bring Yannick Ngakwe back, and he has a, a, a big-time role where he's able to get you those eight sacks. Max Crosby's able to get you double-digit sacks. Chandler Jones is able to get you five or six sacks, whatever. Tyree Wilson, like, can you imagine that rotation? That's something the Philadelphia Eagles would look and be like, man, that's a hell of a defensive line rotation <laughs> coming off a season where they just had 70 sacks. Now, I'm not saying that that's what that would turn into, 70 sacks, but, man, that would be nice if they'd find a way to bring Unique and Gakwe back. Thanks so much for that text, mail, man. I do appreciate you. One more from the 707. My favorite move was the group of undrafted free agents we spot, signed, especially the two offensive linemen. The mer- worst move was letting Carr go with no plan to improve the position. That's from the 707. He didn't give his question, uh, like what question he still has with the offseason, but that's okay. Uh, I do like the two offensive linemen that were undrafted free agents. They look like they really could be uh, playmakers, be guys that can make the team as far as, as that goes, and I don't know if they'd be starters, but they could really be some quality depth, and that's why the Raiders made them priority uh, undrafted free agents immediately after the draft was over they went ahead and signed them and then of course letting Carr go I think that that was something that was the inevitable uh, we all knew that that was going to happen but the question mark is you know what what step of the plan are they on when it comes to where they are with the quarterback right now so that's a really good point from the 707 226 is the time keep those texts coming in at 69187 keyword r and of course whenever we don't have a guest you can hit us up at 702-365-9200 coming up next to give us a little raider talk is our guy adam hill from the rj this is raider nation radio 920 now back to unnecessary roughness with your boy q 231 is the time. My man Bobby Machado holding it down behind the wheels of steel. I'm in the home studio. Hold it down for the next two and a half hours. Unnecessary roughness. Radio Nation Radio 920. And a very busy man joins us now on the phone lines. That's our guy Adam Hill from the RJ, the Review Journal. And Adam, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. I do appreciate you. You've been all around town, and it's not easy these days to get all around town with all the traffic. But how was the Stanley Cup Media Day that you were at? Uh, What was the vibe going on over there? I am still here right now, so uh, it's, it's interesting. I'm here at T-Mobile Arena, and uh, Florida Panthers are still kind of talking. They're going in waves of, of who's going. It's not quite Super Bowl media day. I've covered a couple of those in my time. Uh, it's going to come media day a little bit different, but 
you know, you get some of the some of the same characteristics. All the guys are at the podium. They're asking, uh, getting asked some some good questions, some you know in depth questions about hockey, and then some silly stuff as well. Mostly from me uh, because I've got all my hockey stuff done, so now I can go into a silly season a little bit, kind of get their personalities of uh, of what's going on. So uh, it's good. It's good access. It's uh, it's good to, to see it. Good to see these guys get exposure and. And tomorrow it all turns to hockey. Yeah, it all is real tomorrow. And this is the second time that the Golden Knights have had an opportunity to compete for the Stanley Cup. Obviously, they didn't win it their inaugural season, but here they are. You know, it's the sixth year, and they got another opportunity. How big is this that they continuously make these runs? Obviously, last year it was not a playoff year. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, look, and it's also like this is a result of kind of what happened that first season. Obviously, when you're an expansion team, you expect to kind of have a slow build, and they didn't. They they went right to the title, but you know, I said for a long time, and it's funny, things come full circle, but, you know, I said that year, look, this team is not that good. Like, <laughs> the first-year team, if you go back and look, that team was not good. And they kind of got lucky. They, they had a couple of nice bounces. They were, you know, obviously everybody playing a contract year with a chip on their shoulder, and they far overachieved. And, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting this week to talk to the players and talk to them about the differences, and they, they talk about how different it is. They said, you know, William Carey yesterday said, look, that team was not good. Like, it was just kind of a – he didn't use the word fluke, but he said everybody overachieved. We played far above what we were, and uh, we made it there. But I think what it did do was it told them what was possible and also told the franchise, like, hey, your window is now. Like, don't wait around. So what did they do? They went out. They added uh, a couple of star players to the equation. They went out, and um, they got a Mark Stone to be a captain. They they sacrificed some of their future uh, to get you know, other guys. They, they acquired Chandler Stevenson, who was on that Capitals team that beat them, for a fifth-round pick and turned a fourth-liner into a superstar. So um, they made a lot of changes, and, and the, the fact that they saw that their window was open because they made that first final uh, is what led them to this. They, you know, A couple years ago, they, acquired, they needed a, a number-one defensive player. They got him. They went out and got Alex Petrangelo, a Stanley Cup winner. They needed a number-one center after last year. They, they looked and said, hey, this is what we need. And they got Jack Eichel, and, and he's been a star. So um, I think what that season did, it told them what was possible, and it also told them your window is right now, and, and they've taken it. You got the Golden Knights and Florida, both organizations looking for their very first Stanley Cup. Uh, how do you think that this kind of this series shakes out? Well, first of all, the purists must love this. The two Sun Belt teams, <laughs> uh, you know, where nobody thinks there should be hockey, which is fantastic. Right. Um, <laughs> look, I think I think the Florida Panthers have been a completely different team than they were in the regular season. Obviously, they came in as the eighth seed in the East, and uh, they weren't that good during the regular season. But they've had a couple of things working for them. One. Uh, the system that Paul Maurice put in. And look, this is a team that won the regular season last year. They were the best team in the regular season. They won the President's Trophy. They got bounced early because they were an offensive team that didn't play defense, and they decided that wasn't good enough. They were too built for the regular season, so they went out, they added a bunch of defensive players, and they added a hard-nosed potential star in Matthew Kachuk, and he's been great. But it took some time. Like, they didn't get it figured out. They didn't understand the system. They weren't fully bought into the system um, until, like, the last month of the season. They made a rally. They got into the playoffs, and now they've been the hottest team uh, making this run, and they've been a completely different team than they were in the season. So ordinarily, that's the kind of team you would look at and say wins a series like this um, over a team that was just very, very good all year, like the Golden Knights. Uh, but I think there is a wild card in this equation, and I believe the biggest factor is the amount of time that the Florida Panthers have been off. I mean, they were mm. red hot. They were storming through everybody. They beat the best team in the league in the Boston Bruins. Uh, Sergei Bobrovsky, who wasn't even their starting goaltender for most of the season, uh, then takes over and, and has – you know, has his classic form. I mean, he, he's one of the best goalies in the league when he's on, and he's been on, and he's been carrying them through this postseason. But how is he going to be after, you know, a week and a half of not playing, of not being out there on the ice when he was so hot and so playing so well? Um, how is he going to react to that? Uh, I think he would have rather started game one 10 minutes after their last series <laughs> ended 
but instead he has 10 days off. And how is that going to impact him? I think a lot, and I think that's why the Knights win the series. It's going to be a good one. I'm excited. Uh, obviously, everything gets started tomorrow. and We'll obviously monitor it and cover it like a glove here on Radio Nation Radio 920 and, of course, the rest of our sister stations in the building as well. And, again, Adam Hill from the RJ and our sister station ESPN Las Vegas, part of Cofield and Company, joins us now. And I wanted to ask you about the Raiders. You were at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center yesterday. You heard from Josh McDaniels. He said there's no anxiety when it comes to Jimmy G. Uh, what do you think? What are your thoughts on Jimmy G? Is there a time? Where's the time that you think that Raider Nation should start to get some anxiety? Uh, well, I think Raider Nation got an anxiety got anxiety like 35 years ago. I, <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't think that that's that's anything new. Um, but yeah, you, you you mentioned yesterday the traffic in Vegas is a nightmare, and I tried to go McDaniel's in the morning and then out to Golden Knights practice in, in the mid morning, and then back to a player's availability with the Raiders later in the day. That was quite a haul, quite an adventure. Um, but I think what we heard is. Um, kind of what was expected out of Josh McDaniels. Um, you know, he doesn't, I don't think he does, excuse me, I think he does not have anxiety. I think he's mm-hmm. telling the truth there because I, you know, I don't know what the plan is, but I think plan A is Jimmy Garoppolo to play and play kind of, you know, to his full potential and, and be above expectation and take a, a group of receivers that's very, very talented and an offense that's very good and make the most of them and potentially compete for, you know, be a fringe of a, a playoff contender. And if Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't play, then they're one of the worst teams in the league and they have a top draft pick next year. I mean, those are mm. both good options, right? I mean, so I wouldn't have anxiety if I was him either. But did he say he doesn't have any anxiety over Jimmy Garoppolo? He, I don't think he specifically said that. Um, I just think he it's said true. he doesn't have any anxiety. So um, I think those are the two the two possibilities for the Raiders right now, and both are good. I, I think the worst-case scenario for the Raiders is if Jimmy Garoppolo plays like half the games. Like, that's the worst-case scenario, and that, you know, he – he plays enough to, you know, to take them out of contention for a top three or four pick, but he doesn't play enough to help them get to the playoffs. Like that would be the worst case. Yeah, no, that's a good point. You don't want to get stuck right in the middle where you're just not, yeah. not, not bad enough to get a good pick and not good enough to play in the playoffs, right? So it's the worst place to be. Yeah, no, that's that's spot on. Again, Adam Hill is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio nine twenty. So we know Brian Hoyer is backup quarterback one or QB one right now. But what are your thoughts on Aiden O'Connell? I asked uh, Coach McDaniel's about him specifically just to get his thoughts, and he, he went on for about a minute or so about Aiden O'Connell. What do you think about the young man from Purdue? Um, I think if Aiden O'Connell is playing this year, it's probably not a good thing. But um, I I see what they saw, right? I mean, I watch a lot of Big Ten football. Obviously, I'm from Ann Arbor, you know, Mm -hmm. Michigan fan. Um, So I've seen him play quite a bit, and his story is great. I mean, he went to Purdue as like the ninth string quarterback, a walk-on. He fought his way to be a starter and a very capable starter as well. Uh, But I think some of my concerns about Aiden O'Connell are there are times when you watch his film and you think, wow, that's a first-round pick. Like, this guy is slinging the ball. He can put it anywhere. Big-time throws. Like, that guy's going to be in the first round. And then there's other times you watch Aiden O'Connell, which is maybe even in the same game, and you're like, why is this guy even on the field? Like, <laughs> what, is, what is he doing? Right. So I think that, that, that the, the reason they're excited about him and the reason they drafted him and the reason there is optimism is because of those high-end throws, which are really, really good. Um, and I think you're going to see that. And I think there's probably going to be some times in the preseason where people see that and say, okay, this is good, but I, I don't think he's anywhere near her, her harnessing all of that uh, to where he could be a, you know, every week starter and a guy that can, you know, surprise people. Like, could that happen two or three years down the road? Sure, but I think right now there's a lot of inconsistency in the game that I'm a little bit worried about. Well, Raider Nation has seen that there's uh, Hunter Renfro jerseys on, uh, on sale right now at the Raider Image. Is there a world <laughs> where Trey Tucker and Hunter Renfro can coexist on the team this year? Uh, sure, because I don't know that Trey is ready either so 
Uh, there is a world. I mean, I look. I'm. I know that Hunter Renfro is not getting cut because of his uh, his contract situation, but um, could they trade him? Sure, if somebody comes and makes an offer, I think that's that's definitely a possibility. Uh, but everybody does the math, right? I, I actually talked to a player not too long ago um, who kind of came to me and asked me about the math. He's like, wait, uh, this guy, this guy, this guy, not even a wide receiver. I'm talking about different position, but right. he's like, all right, this guy, this guy, this guy. Like, what do you think? Like, is, is am I the odd man out here? Like, what, what's that? Like, I mean, guys worry about this. They think about this just like fans do. Yeah. And, and I'm sure anybody from the inside of the room or the outside of the room looks at that receiver group and says, okay, there's a lot of guys here, and there's a lot of guys that do the same thing. Um, it's not that hard to see. Now, Hunter Renfro, I think, can be a very, very good player. He was the one I was most excited to see in this offense with Josh yeah, McDaniels because of what he does with slot players. But it doesn't always work. It doesn't always mesh. And you know, maybe it's not. I, you know, I don't. I'm not writing him off. I think he's he could be very good. He could be very good for the Raiders this season. I don't think there's any question about that. But everybody does the math, and I think the math is pretty clear here. It does feel that way, but I'm I'm with you, man. I thought that that was probably going to be the most exciting guy in this offense just because of what we've seen from the slot wide receiver in a Josh McDaniels-led offense. I thought Hunter Renfro was going to be a monster, but he wasn't He wasn't healthy last year, so I'd love to see it, just a healthy Hunter Renfro. I'd love to see what it looks like in this offense. Me, me too. I mean, look, we've seen him on the field. Fans have seen him on the field you know, playing and doing what he does, and, and we've all seen him in practice. And, and I mean – is there anything more fun in training camp than watching like one-on-one drills with Hunter Renfro, especially in the red zone? I mean, the right. guy is special, mm-hmm. um, but it doesn't, it, you know, personalities don't always work. Think about everybody's own workplace. I, you know, I know we, we talk about NFL being different and football being different, but um, think, think about your own workplace. It is a workplace. The locker room, you know, we're, we're in there every day. Like it's a workplace. Yep. There's guys that get along. There's guys that don't get along. There's guys that mesh for whatever reason. And, you know, sometimes, you know, you could be a very, very good employee, and your boss just doesn't see it that way or sees it differently than another boss might. I mean, those things happen. And I'm not suggesting that happens. I'm just saying, um, it, you know, those, those are possibilities of things that happen. And for some reason, guys just don't mess with each other, and it doesn't work out. I understand what you're saying 100%. <laughs> 100% as a guy. Are you, are, you, that, are you looking around and saying that's why DeMond's not here today? <laughs> No, he's on Cofield and Company today. He's got oh, okay. it. He, okay. He's holding down because Ari's on vacation. Gotcha. So gotcha. there's that. But I totally understand what you're saying because it's look. Sometimes we have to put it into our own, you know, our own perspective and our own daily lives to understand exactly how things is like a locker room could be as simple as our daily job. So I did want to ask you about a couple players defensively, though. Nate Hobbs, what do you think the plan is with him this year? You talked to Patrick Graham yesterday when he was available. What do you think Nate Hobbs' role is in 2023? I mean, I, I want to see that step. I, I think we kind of got robbed last year of that second step of progression. Now, how much, how often do we talk about how much guys take a leap from year one to year two? Um, and that's, you know, the, the biggest jump that you're going to take in your career. And you know, Nate Hobbs was set to do that after an unbelievable rookie season, and then he, you know, has injury, you know, has injury problems, and he has to deal with that. And I don't think we ever got to see that full benefit of year one to year two. So I'm, I'm thinking that this is kind of that year that he takes that big, big jump forward. And if he does, um, you know, he can, he can throw his name into that equation. We always talk about, you know, the Raiders have only a couple of guys that are, you know, elite players in their position. I, I don't think it's out of the question that Nate Hobbs could reach that level. But he does have to take that jump that we didn't see him take last year. He's got to stay healthy, right? So yeah. slot slot corner, or do you think he's on the outside? I mean, I think a lot has to do with how other people develop more than him. Okay. Right? I mean, I think yep. I think it's it's like, hey, he can do both. He's shown that he can do both. Um, I, I think he excels in the slot. Yeah. Uh, but, I, you know, I think obviously players would prefer to play outside because that's 
you know, that's where the prestige is a lot of times. That's where a lot of the money is a lot of time, although we're coming around a little bit uh, on the slot. But uh, I, I think guys have, they still kind of have that, you know, thing in their mind of the, you know, the, the outside is where the elite players play and that's what they want to do. Uh, so I, I think he'd be excited about that, but he's shown that he can be incredibly good in the slot. And if you could lock him down there and, you know, let other guys develop and if they're good enough to, to find themselves on the outside, I think ideally for the defense, he plays inside, um, but they might not have that luxury. Right. No, you're right about that. Adam Hill, the Review Journal is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Necessary Roughness. Just got a couple more questions for you. What about Trayvon Merrick, third-year safety out of TCU? He took a step back in 2022. What is, how big is this preseason and even training camp for Trey? Massive. Um, I, there's no, by the way, how many guys are still left that weren't from this administration? Right. Not many. Right, exactly. Um, I'm sure you know, Nate, Nate's a little different because you know, I think he's a very, very good player. Trayvon Merrick, I think, can too. And Look, this is a guy that I, I make no you know bones about it. I was incredibly high on. I thought he should have yep. been the first round pick, mm-hmm. uh, you know, two years ago. They get him in the second round. I thought it was an absolute steal. Um, and then he comes into the league, and I thought played really, really well as a rookie. And then, how much excitement was there for last year? Now, again, that might that might be not quite meshing with the system, not quite finding his role the way that they wanted him to. Um, but I I think you know starting with him, I think everybody was disappointed in where he was last year. Starting with him, I, I don't think he would. Um, he would say he had the best season. So uh, I think you need to see a lot out of him. And, yeah, is there the possibility that he could get lost in the shuffle as being not one of their guys? Yeah, potentially. I, I think that could happen. Um, he They need more from him, and, and I think he expects more out of himself. So uh, that's a guy I'm definitely going to be watching a lot this offseason. And he needs to come up with those plays when he gets his hands on the ball instead of letting them fall to the ground. He needs to go yeah. away with get the turnover. He needs, to, he needs to intercept those balls and take them back the other way. We'll close out with this. Neil Farrell Jr., Matthew Butler, they didn't get a lot of burn their rookie year. Uh, how deep is that defensive tackle room right now, and, and how much do you think that they're going to have to earn their spots coming up? Well, I mean, I think, look, if you, if you listen to people around the building talk about them, everybody's very excited about their development and that, that, you know, that leap that they're taking. So um, I think there's a lot of optimism that they are going to be uh, impactful-type players. Um, and I do think that that's a room that's that's gotten pretty deep quietly. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that was a place that there wasn't a whole lot of depth. There wasn't um, a whole lot of, you know, even talent at that position the last couple of years. But um, I think they've stockpiled some young players that are, you know, very capable. And I would like to see what they can do. We've seen it a lot on the practice field, more so than we have on the field. Uh, but they're, they're going to have to play roles. And then if this defense wants to get where it's going to be, they're going to have to for sure. Uh, there's going to be a lot of young guys that are out on the field quite a bit, starting with them. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, for this team to – to move forward, uh, whether that's this year or even next year, like that foundation has to grow, and they have to be in the field to make that happen. They do. They do, and it's going to be interesting, man, but they do. They brought in a lot of guys. They have a lot of dudes on the defensive side of the ball. I want to see how it all comes together, right? I mean, I feel like if, if you have your quarterback under center, the offense will be fine, but that defense has definitely got to be a lot better than we saw a season ago. Good stuff, Adam, as always. What are you working on that we should be on the lookout for? Uh, a lot of Golden Knights stuff right now, for sure. Uh, I do definitely want to write something about uh, our A.J. Cole conversation yesterday, but uh, that might have to wait a couple of days with a ton of Golden Knights stuff, including a uh, thing I just finished, uh, which should be in the paper tomorrow, about how it's very rare for sportsbook operators to be cheering to lose money, but they are this week. Wow. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I get that. It makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense. That's okay. Yep. That was a hell of a tease there. Now, man, Thank you. you ought to write my teases for me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I, I'm, I'm getting good at this. Yeah, I see. I see. Well, great stuff, man. Thanks for taking some time for us. We appreciate you. Of course, anytime. All right, brother. There he goes. Adam Hill from the RJ right there. I had to think about it at first, but no, he's right. He's right. There are sports books 
that are actually hoping to lose money this week when you're thinking about the Stanley Cup and the Stanley Cup Finals. 2.48 is the time. We'll come back, get to some of your calls and texts. What is the offseason move you really liked, the move you weren't a fan of, and what's the one offseason question that you still have? Let us know about it. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. Many thanks to our guy Adam Hill from the RJ and, of course, our sister station as well, ESPN Las Vegas, part of Cofield and Company. Joined us in the last segment. We talked Golden Knights, talked all things Raiders, and then he teased a piece that he had on the RJ about Las Vegas sportsbooks and them actually hoping to lose money this, uh, this, this weekend and this series when it comes to the Stanley Cup. And he just actually tweeted out that article, so you can check it out. I retweeted it as well. Las Vegas sportsbook operators choosing civic pride over profit. That's from Adam Hill, so we definitely appreciate him. And if you want to check that out, you can. Coming up at the top of the hour, Nick Shook from NFL.com. We'll talk all things NFL, just scatter shoot. We'll lead off with some unique Ngakwe and go uh, maybe head to Eric Bieniemy as uh, Gangster Raider called earlier today and was uh, and mentioned Eric Bieniemy in Washington and how he thinks that that's going to hurt Kansas City. And look, last year I thought that Tyreek Hill being out of Kansas City was going to hurt Kansas City, and it didn't. They went on to win the Super Bowl. I think Eric Bieniemy will hurt them to a certain extent, but I do think that they have a well-oiled machine there in Kansas City, so they'll probably be okay. But they, they, you know, he, he's definitely a guy who contributes. I went on to say that I think it's a shame that he had to make a lateral move from an offensive coordinator, even though he wasn't calling the plays, to an offensive coordinator in D.C., and I thought he should have got a head coaching job, and I really didn't understand why. Aaron hit us up on Twitter and said the reason Eric Bieniemy hasn't got a head coaching job because what he's been charged with in the past. And he tweeted that at myself and DeMond and Radio Nation Radio 920. And my response to that is, yeah, well, if that's the case, if they're holding and he does have some, you know, some baggage in the closet, don't get me wrong, some skeletons in the closet, there's definitely some things there. I don't know all the great details, but you can Google it and you can find it. Uh, but I'm not going to deep dive on it right now. But if that's the case, if that's what's holding them back and it's, you know, that bad, according to the people that are doing the hiring, he might not need to have a job, period. <laughs> right? I mean, if you, you think about it, like, okay, so if it's not good enough to have a head coaching job, why is it good enough to have an offensive coordinator job, an assistant head coach? Right? I mean, to me, that just doesn't make sense. Like, let's not change the standards for what position it is. So that's just me. But we'll, we'll see. So I'll, I'll ask Nick Shook about that as well when he comes up again from NFL.com. NFL Network does a fantastic job uh, with both. But the question that I threw out there on the don'tbebroke.com text line and the phone line as well when we don't have a guest, 69187, keyword R&R, what is the offseason move you really liked, the move that you weren't a big fan of, and then the one offseason question that you still have. And I really keep going back to what Raider X said. I thought Raider X brought up a really, really great point on did the Raiders do enough on that defense to help the team and complement the team and their offense. Everyone that has a rating, and, you know, everyone has rankings and ratings out right now, everybody talks about, well, the Raiders' defense, they didn't do anything because they didn't go out and get any big names. The biggest name that they got for the defense was Tyree Wilson, and we know that he's, you know, banged up, and we, we don't know if he's going to be ready for training camp, he's going to be ready for the regular season, but he's also a rookie. He, they didn't go out and sign – you know, a, a big any kind of big name free agents or anything like the 49ers went and spent uh, a ton of money on Hargrave that came over from the Philadelphia Eagles. They didn't go out and make a move for a Jalen Ramsey. They didn't go out and make a, a, any big, big splashes. So people are talking about they don't know if there's enough that they did on defense. And I think that's a fair question. Did they do enough on defense? They brought in a lot of players, brought in a lot of bodies. But are they going to be the right ones? So uh, that's a that's a really good question that Raider X still had. 805 Raiders said that we'll take a break. Love the Tyree Wilson pick. 
hated the car release Waller trade. Obviously, the biggest question mark is who will start at quarterback game one, but I am optimistic that it'll be Jimmy G. That's 805 Raider right there, and I do like the Tyree Wilson pick as well. I think that as long as he's healthy, he's going to be a hell of a player. Uh, like I said, the car release, that was the writing on the wall. The Waller trade, I just don't think that those um, those relationships were good, right? I don't think that those personalities really blended very well. So I think that he's got an opportunity to do his thing in New York, and I think Michael Mayer will do a really good job as a tight end. Not the same style as Waller, but he'll be just as effective as Waller with what Josh McDaniels wants him to do. Again, not the same type of production, the same style, but – I think Josh McDaniels will be happy with him because he's a really good blocker and he's really good in the red zone as well. It's more of what he wants out of his, uh, his tight end. And the question mark, who's going to be under center game one? It's a really good question. 805 Raider, definitely appreciate you. Coming up next, Nick Shook, NFL.com. We'll talk all things NFL as we kick off hour number two of the show. It's Unnecessary Roughness.